Hebrews 5. Let's make sure we know where we are before we stand and read, because admittedly, Hebrews is not the easiest book. It's a book in short, this is kind of simplistic, but it's a book that calls believers like you and I to keep going. Written to a bunch of Hebrews that were scattered all over the Roman world who were struggling to stay in the faith. They were struggling to persevere. And this writer, whomever he was, he wrote to them to keep going. And he reminded them that Jesus is worth it. He's better. In chapters 1 and 2, he says Jesus is better than the angels. Don't go back to Genesis and think that those angels are preferable to Christ. He's worth your life. But then he interjects with a warning in chapter 2. And he says, but be careful. Don't drift. If you don't consciously remember every moment of every day that Jesus is better, you might be tempted to go follow those angels. And then he moves into chapters 3 and 4 and says Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than all that system of old. He's better than this whole Levitical sacrificial system. He's worth it. And he warns us in chapter 4, be careful. If you don't enter God's rest, you may be found as many will one day, Jesus says, who stands before him and says, Lord, I knew you. And Jesus looks at him and says, I never knew you. And then we find ourselves in chapter 5 which is admittedly complex because the writer now says Jesus is better not only than angels, not only than Moses, he's better than Melchizedek, which is probably not something that's kept you up at night. In fact, the whole chapter 5 and 6 and 7 all talk about the great high priesthood of this guy named Melchizedek. And if you last Sunday... And in preparation for this Sunday, are thinking, I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do with that. How are we supposed to be built up in the holy faith by talking about a guy named Melchizedek? Then the warning that begins in verse 11, where we will begin this Lord's day, is going to resonate with you. It's the most stern warning in the book of Hebrews. Let's read it, beginning in verse 11. If you found it, why don't you stand with me in honor of reading the words of our God? I have a feeling verse 11 will resonate with you because if you have been perplexed by Melchizedek and wonder how could this possibly do you any good, well, notice what the writer says, beginning in verse 11. About this, Melchizedek is who he's talking about, about this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain, which is a hearty amen. Notice why. Since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You see, you need milk. You don't need solid food because everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Why don't you join me as we pray? Let's ask God to help me rightly divide this to build you up. Father in heaven, I ask now that you would come and that you would speak to your people in and through me, in spite of me, so that their faith might be strengthened, your son might be glorified, and this church might be a bolder witness for you. 
And I ask this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there are no two words that irritate my precious wife more than uh uh-huh. Lord knows, after dinner, we're sitting on the couch, kids are playing on the floor in front of us, she starts talking to me. She knows that if my reply is, "Uh uh-huh, that I'm not listening. How many wives in this room know how my wife feels? Sorry, guys, I'm dragging you all down with me. There is an epidemic. I, I would know. I was diagnosed with it at a young age. There's an epidemic of selective hearing disorders. Kids in the room. It's funny how you don't hear mom and dad say, it's time to set the table, but you surely hear it when she says it's time to eat. There's probably a lot of husbands in this room who don't hear it's time to play with the kids, but they do hear it's time to put the kids to bed. Selective hearing. You know, listening, hearing is a funny thing, because on the one hand, it's the easiest thing you can do. But on the other hand, it really is one of the more difficult, hardest things you can do. It's easy because hearing is kind of a passive thing. It's, it's receiving. It's, it's sitting there taking it in. For example, the, what's happening in this moment took a whole lot wor- more work for me than for you. I had to spend hours preparing this message to speak to you for the next half hour. I trust you probably didn't spend much time at all preparing to hear it. Because listening, hearing, it's an easy thing. That's why it's not surprising that the Bible actually equates salvation with hearing. When it uses the word faith, it actually says faith comes by hearing. Because faith is receiving something. But on the other hand, real listening... Real hearing is always more difficult than we want to admit. Because if you're really going to listen to somebody, it's going to require you to not just passively sit there and soak. You have to engage. For example, how many of you have ever found yourself hearing a sermon, but not really hearing the sermon? You're hearing it like I was audibly listening to my wife but I wasn't really listening. Uh Uh-huh. It's just kind of going in one ear and out the other. There's a reason why Jesus famously, infamously says of the people of Israel at His time and place and day, hearing they do not hear. How many of you in this room know by experience hearing you do not hear? Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 11, is a stern, stark warning to Christians. And I'm going to make my case why I believe this is to Christians in a moment. It is a call to Christians who, like me, are prone to hear, but not hear. To listen, but you're not really listening. To you in this room who sit under God's Word, and as it is proclaimed to you faithfully week in, week out, your heart and soul respond with a mere, uh uh-huh. 
the warning of Hebrews 5 that you should feel with me today is he is calling you and I to beware of lazy listening. Now, I didn't make that up. If you notice in the text, what does he say in verse 11? He says, I'm going to stop my argument about Melchizedek. I'm going to stop talking to you because we have a problem, a failure to communicate. You, he says, have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing literally means sluggish in the ear. Now, I didn't make that up. If you go look at chapter 6 and verse 12, the exact same word used for dull is used in verse 12 of chapter 6, and it's translated there, sluggish, because the word means lazy, sluggish, slow. You have become lazy as a listener. Now, we know what that's like, right? How many of you in this room, you've been a student before, you're sitting through a lecture in class, and you're audibly hearing every word coming from the teacher, but you don't remember a single thing he said. You teachers in the room, it's the bane of your existence. You know lazy listening. Have any of y'all in this room ever found yourselves reading the Bible, and you're literally looking at every word, you're going line by line, and a minute later you don't even remember what you read? Have you ever, it's amazing how the human mind works, where you can be reading words and your mind is a million miles elsewhere. How many of you have been guilty of standing in that lobby and somebody is speaking to you and as they're talking to you, you are lazy in your listening, just formulating what you're going to say back, not listening to a word they're saying. It is common to each of us. None of us are immune. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, beware of it. Lazy listening can do you in. In this text, in my judgment, he breaks it down into five marks of a lazy listener. Let's put the force of the warning to our hearts. Five ways you need to heed the warning against lazy listening. So if you're taking notes, mark this down. Firstly, I want you to see you should beware of lazy listening because if you don't, you'll become indifferent, indifferent to the Word of God. Look, if you will, at verse 11. He says, once again, you have become dull. Do you know what he means by that? If you are an English teacher, you know have become is called the perfect tense, which basically just means once you weren't dull, now you are. You weren't always this way. There was a moment you were on fire. There was a moment you were listening. There was a moment you weren't indifferent. And something has slowly, surely, imperceptibly as it may be, something has happened and your senses have grown dull. You have begun to drift. You have begun to be lazy in your listening. I love when God brings new believers to this church. I've been a new believer that's been sitting near me in this service for weeks. And I watch this gentleman week in and week out sit there before the service begins with a Bible on his lap, drinking it in, sending me questions. Have you, do you know what that's like? You remember that first time you tasted and saw that God was good and you just couldn't get enough? What happened? 
Satan can sing you to sleep. He can lull you with an evil lullaby. Like the frog in the kettle. You ever heard that analogy? You put a frog in the kettle. If he's in cold water, he's not going to jump out. But if you slowly raise the temperature, he'll stay in it and boil to death. But if you just boiled the water and you tried to throw him in, he'd hop right back out. So too we, under the evil ministry of Satan, can be found as the frog in the kettle, just enjoying the cold water of our Christian life. And as he turns up the heat, we get lulled to sleep. Unaware that our heart is growing cold. We are growing indifferent to him. And I wonder, are you indifferent today? Is part of your battle when you come into this room, you know that I I wish I loved the word. I wish I got more out of it. But Kyla, the Bible just feels boring to me. Every time I read it, I don't know what I'm reading and I'm, I just, I'm, I'm bored. If that's you, my, my warning to you from Hebrews is beware. Your boredom with the Bible is probably most likely due to what this guy calls lazy listening. Dullness of hearing. If you stumble into the Bible week in, week out, without preparing your heart, without praying as I do every, sun, every morning, not every Sunday morning, every morning I pray Psalm 119 and verse 18, Oh God, would you open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your word? If you don't forget that your heart is always prone to wander, if you don't forget that God calls our Christian life the fight of faith, If you forget this, my friends, you will be sung to sleep. You will grow indifferent. Beware, firstly, of lazy listening, because if you don't, you will become indifferent. But secondly, I want you to see, beginning in verse 12, another symptom, another mark of lazy listening. Not merely that you'll become indifferent. Secondly, you'll find yourself becoming ineffective. Ineffective. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says... At this time, for though by this time, you ought to be a teacher. Okay, now stop, because you're thinking, Kyler, I thought there was a certain calling to teach, a certain gift to teach. My Sunday, my community group leader, he teaches, you teach, Pastor Clint teaches. I, I don't think I'm called to teach. And I want you to see that he's not talking about a unique gifting of teaching here. He is talking about the basic call on all of us to reproduce, to make disciples. He is in essence saying, at this point, you should be able, you've been walking with the Lord long enough, by this time you should be able to actually pass the faith to your children, to your grandchildren. You should be able to articulate this to your co-workers, but evidently you can't. Now let's think for a moment on why the ability to teach is so critical. On the one hand, have you ever found this to be true? That teaching, the ability to teach something, reveals just how much you know about it? You ever heard the old adage that if you really want to know something, if you really want to understand it, figure out how to teach it? I remember seeing this on a on a board in one of my college classrooms, said if you want to learn something, read about it. If you want to understand something, write about it. But if you want to master something, teach it. 
Nothing has strengthened my grip on God's Word over the last 15 years of ministry than teaching this book. Learn, my friends, that God has called you to know this Word enough that you could convey it. Now, you don't have to do so technically. In fact, the most intelligent man most world history describes as is Albert Einstein. And he famously said, if you really want to know something, you need to learn how to teach it simply. That's the sign that you've got it down. So I want you to first see that the ability to teach the Bible really is revealing that you know it at all. If you can't communicate it in any real sense, there's a really good chance you don't get it. Preachers in seminary are always taught, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's going to be fog in the pew. And so I have to work really hard to drive away the mist so you guys aren't sitting there lost staring at me with your mouth open. Oh God, would you give each of us the gift, the grace to drive away the mist so that as we communicate what we know about God's Word to others, the fog would be driven away. But not merely is this just something that's helpful. You do know, biblically speaking, that the ability to teach, the mandate to teach is just that. It's a command. It's a mandate. You know the Great Commission. Go into all the nations, and what does he say? Teach them everything I've commanded you. What does he say? Make disciples. What does Peter tell us in 1 Peter? He tells us that we should be able to give a defense for what we believe. You need to know what you believe, and He has commanded us to somehow, some way, be able to articulate it to others. And so I wonder, have any of you found yourself, having walked with the Lord for some time, you find yourself presently ineffective? The thought of making disciples in your home, sharing the gospel with anybody at work, ever being called upon to help rightly divide God's Word in your community group, Teaching in any sense of the word, it just feels like a big ask to you. It feels like something that is not really in your wheelhouse. I want you to hear this. His command is clear. Beware of lazy listening. Because in God's economy, hearing is obeying. To listen is to obey. You parents know this to be true. How many of you have ever said, listen to me, to your child, and what you meant in that moment was, obey me? James knew this when he says, we must not merely be hearers of the word. You need to be a doer of the word or you deceive yourself. What do you deceive yourself in? You deceive yourself thinking you heard him. Lazy listening. Beware. If you don't, you may find yourself ineffective, unable to teach, as his command is clear in verse 12. Thirdly, I want you to mark this down. If you don't beware of lazy listening, you'll not only become indifferent and ineffective, thirdly, you'll find yourself becoming inattentive. For notice the second half of verse 12. He says... You should be able to teach, but you need somebody to teach you again. Notice that word again. Underscore that, circle that, highlight that, because what he is saying is 
You've already been taught this, and you need somebody to teach you again. You've already been instructed in these things, and you have forgotten them all. Now, how many of you in this room know that truth not internalized is lost? You ever found that to be true just in your own life? If you're not actually engaging what's being told you, you will forget it. You students in this room know that if you are inattentive in the classroom, you are going to have to be taught again in your study time because you're going to forget everything that was said. And when the test comes, you have to cram because you weren't attentive in the classroom. You husbands in the room know that if you are not attentive to your wife when she is giving you instructions on where to get something in the grocery store, what happens? You'll be like me wandering aimlessly in Harris Teeter calling Lauren because I don't know where to go. I wasn't listening. You know this to be true. You Christians, you men and women of the word who are inattentive in your Bible reading. You've been walking with God for 30 years. You've been reading your Bible daily and you don't know it. It's because you've been inattentive. You've been a lazy listener. I've been a lazy listener so many mornings where I'm sitting there going through a motion and I am not engaging the word. Oh, beware, beware, beware of lazy listening. Are you inattentive? Have you found yourself in this very room prone to lazy listening as the word is proclaimed? That's why almost every welcome I do at this church, I remind my own heart and yours that we ought not stumble into this service. It requires a few things of us. Firstly, I want to encourage you, you should prepare your heart every time you come to sit under God's word. That might mean you just need to get a good night's sleep. Don't stay out late Saturday night or you will be fatigued. It probably means that you need to prepare your heart in worship. That means don't just be distracted in the songs leading up to the sermon. Engage the lyrics of those songs and ask God to fill your heart with attentiveness to the word. It means you need to engage your mind as the pastor or any man is preaching God's word to you, you should not sit there passively and soak it in. You should take out a pen. You should mark down notes. Your Bible should be marked up. Oh, I pray we would become men and women who mark this book up. It is meant to be engaged. Underscore, circle, highlight. Engage your mind as the word is proclaimed. And then pray. If you are lost... I will not be offended in the least if in my sermon you are praying for me or for our pastor or you are praying that your spouse or your child would hear the word, that it would pierce your heart in that moment. I was so encouraged this past week when I had the privilege to teach uh, God's word at our CLT weekend. You want to know why? Because the student ministry is the toughest group to teach. They're the ones that are most prone to be inattentive kind of give you that blank stare. You guys all look polite and smiling even if you get bored with me. They don't. They, get, they let you know immediately. And by God's grace, and, and I say that sincerely, it was by God's grace, there was a measure of Holy Spirit wrought attentiveness the entire time. All three 30-minute sermons, I watched students, it felt like, sit on the edge of their seats and soak in the Word. That was a matter of prayer for the student ministry. It is a matter of prayer for we, your pastors, to you, that you would be found attentive to God's Word. Thirdly, beware of lazy listening. Because if you don't, you will become inattentive, needing to be taught again these 
he calls it the basic principles of God's word. That in the original language, basic principles, that word literally means the ABCs of Christianity. The simple gospel truths of the faith. Christianity 101. If you are inattentive, you're going to need to get that all over again. Number four, take notes, mark this down. Fourthly, you need to beware of lazy listening, for if you don't, you will find yourself becoming immature. Immature. Look at the latter half of verse 12 and all of verse 13. He says, you need milk, not solid food. And then in verse 13, he says, for everybody who lives on milk, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Man, this is why the warning is stern. Because whomever this author is, he basically just looked at me and all of you and said, you guys are nothing but children. You are spiritually immature. Now think with me for a moment. There's nothing wrong with milk. Milk is good, normal, natural for infants. Milk is for the immature. That's why as parents, we celebrate babies taking their first step, eating their first solid food. You congratulate it. You make a big deal out of these small baby steps of, well, babies, because it's a child. It's an infant. So too, when there is new life in Christ, we celebrate the fact that baby believers, infants in the faith, are longing for milk, the pure spiritual milk of God's Word, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. We should long for this pure spiritual milk, the basics, the ABCs of the faith. But How grotesque an image for a grown adult to feed on nothing but milk. What an unusual picture. How abnormal it would be for a grown man or woman to be unable to eat any solid food naturally. It's like riding a bike as a 25-year-old still needing training wheels with no physical disability affecting you. There's just something not right there. It's like a 40-year-old playing video games. I just stepped on some toes. I know some friends, y'all shouldn't do that. It's just grow up. There's an assistant that works for us in our children's ministry. She's got a little sign on her desk. I saw it when I walked to my office this morning and it cracked me up. It says, and she's joking, of course, it says, I wish I were a little kid so I could take a long nap and everyone would just be proud of me. (laughs) There's just something wrong with a mature adult living like a kid. So too, for we who are mature in Christ, meaning we have walked with God for many days, how wrong is it for us to live and function as if we haven't changed? Hebrews 5 and verse 13 says, anybody who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a kid. Unskilled means you're unacquainted, you're inexperienced with it. Word of righteousness is talking about not just the word, but also what right living should flow from the word. It's how we should live in light of it. He is in essence saying, beware of lazy listening, because if you don't, you are going to find yourself 
becoming immature. Now, pause with me because your, your application might be thinking, all right, so I need to go to more theology classes. I just need more solid meat. And my warning to you is don't go there first. You need to learn to keep milk down. Many of you have been drinking milk and it's not nourishing your body. Some of you in this room have been going to Bible studies for years. You get fed a piece of meat, you chew on it the entire time you're at Bible study, and then you walk out to your car and you spit it out in the parking lot before you get in. It hasn't nourished you. You've just been chewing on it. Learn how to keep milk down. The interesting thing about the milk of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is unlike almost anything else, it can pass through your small throat narrowed by pride. It can get through you, start healing you, start strengthening you, start helping you grow. And as you grow, your esophagus gets larger and you are able to digest more solid food. You are growing in the faith and then you can go to a class like Foundations and it is nourishing to you. You are hungry for God's word. So just learn. This is not move past the gospel. This is, we need the gospel every day. You probably need a glass of milk with your meat. You need to learn to be nourished by it. Nourish your heart with the truth that God made you. He made you for a reason. He made you to exalt His name. Remind yourself anew of that. Nourish yourself with the milk of the gospel that teaches you that you have fallen grievously. You have turned your back on Him. Nourish yourself with the gospel of God's grace that in Christ He has provided a way for you to escape the punishment you deserve through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Glory in the grace, the milk of the gospel that says since Jesus is alive and raised from the dead, so you too can be raised to new life in Christ. Don't pass on the milk. Let the milk nourish you so that you will grow and be enabled to eat more solid food. Fourthly, beware of lazy listening. For if you don't, you'll become immature. And may I give you one fifth and final mark as we see in verse 14. The fifth mark of lazy listening, number five, is you will become impressionable if you continue with lazy listening. Notice his definition of what a mature person is in verse 14. He says, solid food is for the mature. And what does he say next? Does he say, those people who are well-educated? Those people who have memorized a lot of the Bible? Those people who are older? The mature are those who have gone to foundations, gone through Awana. The mature are you who have been tithing for years. The mature are you who have a good community group attendance. What does he say? Verse 14, he describes mature in Christ. And he says, solid food is for the mature. It's for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In other words, he is saying maturity in Christ is marked firstly by a hunger for the Word. You want the solid food of God's Word. You are not here to have your ears tickled. You actually are hungry for more. You hear theology and you know that is going to help me know the God I love more. I want more of it. You have a hunger for the Word. The mature in Christ also are those who are shaped by the Word. That's why he uses the phrase powers of discernment. It's the ability to discern right from wrong, even if the Bible doesn't explicitly say it. Some of you may say, if the Bible doesn't explicitly condemn it, I'm going to do it. But that is not the Christian life. 
The Christian life is recognizing that God's Word will shape your mind, grant you the powers of discernment to discern between the 10,000 little decisions you have every moment of every day. Maturity is marked by a hunger for the Word, by being shaped by the Word, by being disciplined in the Word. Did you notice he says, by constant practice? Some of you are frustrated because you read the Bible and you don't feel changed by it. But a great analogy would be like going to the gym. If I went to the gym tomorrow, would I look like Clint Presley on Tuesday? If only. But if I went to the gym a few times a week for the next five years, you would see slow but sure transformation. So too, in God's Word, you need to discipline yourself by constant practice to go to it. And you may not see a change overnight, but slowly but surely, you're going to see your mind renewed, your heart softened. You are going to change. You will find yourself actively hungering for God's Word. Your life being shaped by it. You will find yourself being disciplined to go to it every day. And lastly, you will be anchored to the Word. You will find yourself able to distinguish good from evil. You will not be as those whom Paul describes in Ephesians 4 who are children tossed to and fro by the waves, are carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You will not be found impressionable just following every wind of doctrine, every new uh, teacher. You will be anchored to the Word, mature in Christ. And if you long for this, and in Christ you will, the warning bears repeating one final time. Listening is both the easiest and hardest thing you'll ever do. If just hearing the word this morning you know you are not in Christ. You know all of that is true of you. You know your heart is wandering. You know that Christ has not saved you. If this is you, would you just hear me one final time? God is calling you. Are you listening? Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. But in a room like this, a gathering of God's people, I trust that the vast majority of us need to be reminded that God has already called you, but today He is warning you. Are you listening? Or have you grown lazy in your listening? As you sit with God's Word day in, day out, are you hearing but not really hearing? As you hear God's Word proclaimed to you, are you listening but not really listening. Oh, my friends, may we be found as Hickory Grove Baptist Church, not as those who sit under God's Word and with mere mindless laziness reply, uh-huh, lazy listening. Beware. Would you join me as we pray? With your heads bowed, you ought to respond. For you, it might mean you need to cry out in confession and ask God to do a work in your heart to reveal to you anew the species of indifference you have towards the Word. 
You may need to confess that you have been ineffective as a teacher of your children, as a minister to your spouse, faithful in your neighborhood. You know you, you ought to be able to teach by now, but you have grown ineffective. You have grown indifferent. You've grown inattentive to God's Word. You need to be taught the same things again and again because you're not internalizing it. It's not sticking. Consequently, you're, you find yourself feeling quite immature in the Lord, needing milk when you should be getting solid food at this moment. So easily impressed to follow the winds and waves of the day. Cry out to Him now in confession and ask that He would do a work in your heart, that He would revive your heart, that He would grant you the grace to not be found dull of hearing. Father in heaven, do this, I pray, for Jesus' sake. Seal the word to your people. I pray, O oh God, you would open their eyes to behold you, open their ears to hear you, open their heart to understand you. I pray, O oh God, that you would do a mighty work of grace in this church so that we would not be found as those who are dull of hearing. He who has ears, let them hear. O oh God, for those who need this, may they not harden their heart. And for those who hear this and need this, may they truly hear your warning this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? As we stand and sing, the invitation to you is to cry out in confession, repentance. You may need to come down here and pray. That might be the step you take to battle inattentiveness, to come confess your sins before Him. There will be pastors down here at the front that would love to pray with you. The invitation to you is to come.